0: So I thought I'd give this podcast thing a crack. (laughs) Um, I'm just a bit nervous because I don't have any equipment. I'm doing this all in my studio. I don't have headphones. I don't have a microphone. It's all on my phone. Phone. And the neighbors have just started jumping on their trampoline and carrying on like silly buggers in the backyard. So we'll give it a crack. Look, if it doesn't work, if it's all just too much, let's just pretend it never, ever happened. And we'll never talk about it again. And we'll just go on living our lives as we were. But if it is works, (laughs) and I don't fuck it up too much, then I could just be this amazing, podcasting audio blog, chapter, just legend of the world. So let's give it a crack and see how we go. So here we go. I'm calling this chapter one. No, I'm just calling it dad, I think. Oh, I don't really know. It's not really titled. Let's call it untitled. (laughs) Holy shit, this is so awful already. But anyway, lots of things are awful. Lots of things. I don't know what I'm saying. Let's just, this is why. Okay. Let's start, shall we? (laughs) Fuck. Okay. All right. I was conceived on a waterbed in 1982 on a rainy night in August in Rockhampton, Queensland, Australia, mate. Wow. What an oddly detailed description you have. Yep. And it gets worse. My father had been moonlighting in a bar as a stalker filler opera guy and he'd been sneaking some. <laughs> I can't even talk. Mate. Wow, what an oddly detailed description you have. Yep, and it gets worse. My father had been moonlighting as a bar stalker filler opera guy and had been sneaking some of the supplies while on duty. Classic. And so had to call my mum to come pick him up. Just another great day at the office for Liam Pelly. Meanwhile, nine months later, little Jesse is born on the corner of Jesse Street and Ward Street in Rockhampton. Shout out to Dr. Hizo. You might think it could be quite traumatising being told in a weird amount of detail, like, can we leave the waterbed out of it? About your conception from your once again pissed up father and you'd be right. But the best slash most humiliating part of this little tale is that this informative speech was given to me as a birthday present. Like, whatever happened at Cash? In front of a few of my nearest and dearest, and actually newest, foreign friends who were visiting for my 22nd birthday. Needless to say, I relocated to Ireland shortly after. <laughs> of course, everything my dad says often comes with a pinch of salt and an eerie cloud of suspicion. But that is something I've only learned as an adult and like well into my 20s. I spent my whole life believing that at my birth, when I was born, I had the umbilical cord wrapped around my neck and that my father, the untrained medical professional that he was, was trusted to uncoil and scoop out all of the liquid from my throat that had filled up because I'd been talking so much in utero and that he totally had saved the day. Thanks, Dad! Of course, none of that happened. I know that now, but I told every single teacher I'd ever had from kindy up to year year 12, what a bloody unsung hero my dad was. My dad is one of two kids born to Rosemary and Patrick Joseph, the later being very proud man who came over from Dublin to teach Gaelic to all the Omidons of Australia in, I don't know, the 40s. Uh, my uncle Fergus was born six or seven years after my dad. It was just the two boys with a substantial age gap between them. So dad was forced to entertain himself the old fashioned way, annoying his little brother. My favorite story of dad's childhood is about the time that he offered to make Fergus a sandwich, a simple yet uncharistic gesture from my father. He um, made Fergus a peanut butter sandwich, and then he ran it under the tap, making it completely soggy and inedible before giving it to Fergus. (laughs) This petty sibling behavior is something I can get behind, and honestly, I still lull at the immaturity of that prank. My dad is just a top bloke, a man of few words, lots of cussing, and a very short fuse, This fucking thing was a prominent sentence in my childhood and evidently my nieces because I heard her say it whilst having very minimal struggle to open a pool fence when she was about six. Uh, This fucking thing uh, obviously refers to anything that won't work the way it should immediately. And usually he's talking about things that have come out of the garage. My dad only really enjoys a few things a cheap red wine, dancing with my mother, his three children, but mostly me, obviously, old-fashioned cars and motorbikes with loud engines, and a small select group of mates. To be in my father's spotlight is a great place to be, and it's something I witnessed throughout my own childhood, and even more so when I worked with him on the weekend as a teen. He spent my whole childhood working for the National Bank of Australia as a man, and then he moved into the big dog position, bank manager. We've heard countless stories of his youth and working in exotic locations like Ingham and Charleville. And the best stories all involve his roommate and the pranks my dad would pull on him. And the funny way this guy would say, oh, you guys, Whenever one of dad's ridiculous pranks was a success. Because of his profession, we were often moved around the country. Much like army brats, we became bank manager brats with a soft focus on brats. We traveled from Townsville to Rockhampton, Rockhampton to Mackay, Mackay to Toowoomba, and finally Toowoomba to Brisbane, the big smoke. Although my dad actually worked in Burpingary, which is at least like an hour and a half drive to and from every single day. So when you're job hunting, don't ever tell my dad you turned down a perfectly acceptable job because it was too far away, because that's going to open a can of worms and the worms are going to grow legs, learn how to drive manual cars and commute to and from work for an hour each way every day, and then talk about it for the rest of their lives. Okay? You've been warned. A favourite story from his time in Toowoomba is how on the weekend for like a little bit of extra cash, we would go to the bank and dad would clean it. And fuck, that's one thing about my dad. He's a bloody hard worker and he really took pride in being able to provide for his young family. It's honest work, he'd probably say if he was like an American TV show dad. Anyway, one day he went down to clean the bank and he took us three kiddos with him. I'd probably been like, seven or eight, and in those pep talks that parents give their kids in the car about behavior and a promise of treats and rewards for outstanding conduct, a speech which I have now become so familiar with as a parent myself, he told us that any money we found on the floor we could keep. Huzzah! Well... Neck minute in little Jessie and finds the entire cash drawer in a sack underneath someone's teller that they'd obviously forgotten to put in the safe the previous night. <laughs> ka-ching, ka-ching. <laughs> Actually, they've got funny things here. Hold on. Um... Side note, I just tried to find um, like an effect on this podcast that you can do to add in some kind of ka-ching, ka-ching, but they didn't have it. So that might've ruined the flow of the tale I was telling. <laughs> but anyway, we'll crack on, shall we? <laughs> um, so what I was saying was, is that I just find the entire cash drawer in a sack underneath someone's Teller that they'd obviously forgotten to put in the safe the night before. This is where we're up to. Um, I didn't get to keep it, but the true value of that tale lies in the pride in my father's eyes when I see him tell this story at most dinner parties and afternoon socials. And it's just a real hoot, just a classic. Um, When he finally decided to leave the bank in his 40s, he took an amazing redundancy package, which enabled him and mum to leave Australia and to travel around Europe. An excellent holiday for them and an excellent two weeks for the three Pelly teens who were left in Brisbane to fend for themselves. Party! Folk legend in our house was dad walking into his favourite motorbike shop and making a deal with the owner that if he could move X amount of bikes by the day's end then they'd have to give him a job and give him a job they did and make him store manager they did and I reckon you'd be hard pushed to find a person in the motorbike retail biz in Australia who didn't know my dad and Pelly and if you do well they're not worth knowing so just ditch them. He had hired me and my girlfriends to put on a barbecue on Saturdays for the customers with the idea being that we would help create a little bit of a buzz, a little bit of an atmosphere with music. And, oh, my God, I've just realized that we were the original blow air, air dancer things with the goggly eyes and the long blowy arms that try to get people in from the street. That was us. So we'd turn up half drunk, half hungover on Saturday morning and and put on a barbecue for the customers reeking of beer and rum and dry wrenching around the sausage fat cooking in the heat we'd fly down the highway to do it packed into my little corolla for some easy cash and some time to hang out with dad i <laughs> one time vomited into an empty tim tam packet while driving and when i went to throw the vomit out of the just in case I needed to use it again, the spew flew right out and into the back window and into the back seat and all over my friend Kathleen. <laughs> and I still think about that whenever I eat Tim Tams. Oh, fuck. She was not happy. Anyway, I digress. But I'm just not sure if I'd ever find another time to add in that um, amazing little story. Shout out to Kathleen. <laughs> It was here at dad's work, <laughs> at dad's work, <laughs> where I would watch employees flock to my dad. They wanted to be around him, they wanted to make him laugh, and they wanted him to call them something stupid other than their real name. Because everybody knows that popularity lies in being given a nickname from the cool guy at work. Just ask Tall Girl a slightly above average in height girl. Dad was once mucking around the computer in the bike shop area. "Uh, Hey, tall girl, have you met my daughter, Jess? "Uh, Yep, every week. Huh. Hmm. Clicking away on the computer, filling out pay slips and all sorts of things, he asked tall girl, uh, Sharon Gillespie? Who the fuck is Sharon Gillespie? Legitimately thinking he had never heard of or seen this name before in his life. And, of course, tall girl raises her arm. Uh, I'm Sharon Gillespie and we all laugh and laugh and good on you, Shaz. <laughs> my dad had no idea who you were. <laughs> oh, God, and he didn't give a shit either. <laughs> my dad has the best sense of humor and not just because he slags off my husband as much as I do, although that is a big part of it. I often get the stink eye from my husband when he sees me and my dad cackling up the other end of the table at family gatherings, fully knowing that he's probably the punchline. When my boyfriend, who's now my husband, first met my dad, he introduced himself as Happy, a nickname that has long been given to him. And in fact, I only ever called him Happy and I still do. I never call him by his real name, which is Garrett, by the way. Um, I can even remember mum asking me what Happy's real name was, but it was kind of like a little bit too far into my relationship for me to ask him what his name was, like, what's your real name? <laughs> so I just had to wait and try and introduce him to another friend and be like, oh, what's your real name? Um, before I could actually get that information that I definitely should have known because you can't really ask your boyfriend of two months, uh, what's your name, mate? You know what I mean? That's a bit weird. My dad refused to call him Happy and calls him Hamster instead, and my mum refuses to call him Happy and calls him Garrett instead, pretending she's like ultra classy, heaps respectful, and most polite. They both call him Happy now. Well, except Dad. Dad still calls him Hamster. When Happy wanted to ask for my hand in marriage, spoiler alert, I said yes, he rang my dad all nervous like, and he asked if he could come over and get Dad to look at his car. Uh, Dad agreed and thought he'd see Happy in the next couple of days. Well, not a minute later, Happy comes bounding up my parents' Battle Axe Block driveway, a really long driveway. And by the way my dad describes it, you'd think Happy had had go-go gadget arms stretched out in the handshake position for a mile long. And at the same time, they both said, "Uh, I've, I've come to ask if I can marry Jess. And dad saying, were you at the front when you called me? <laughs> I don't wreck the moment, dad. <laughs> oh, My dad is absolutely wrapped with my choice in my choice, husband. Even letting Happy drive one of his most prized possessions, the Mustang, from our house in Oxley to the church we got married in, in Ashgrove. It would have been perfect If Happy didn't get distracted with excited relatives and friends waving at him like he was the big man on campus coming in to marry Jess, (laughs) and embarrassingly so, he drove right over the top of the parking blocks at the church and almost over the cliff edge. (laughs) And my only regret in doing this audio blog is not being able to see Happy's face now that I've told this story. And I'm sure I'm gonna get a rebuttal email from him. But mate, you think Mitch is gonna lie about that? <laughs> On my specialist of special days, it was great to have my dad walk me down the aisle to a song I had long earmarked as our song. A kind of unknown song. From a kind of unknown band called Nickel Creek, not Nickelback, just FYI. Um, there's a big bloody difference. And actually I think a feature of this podcast like thing that I'm using is that I can add music. So let's give it a crack and see how it goes. And if I just continue to talk, then that means I didn't figure it out. So wish me luck. <laughs> um... You gotta leave me now. You got to go alone. You got to chase a dream, one that's all your own before it slips away. When you're flying high, take my heart along. I'll be the harmony to every lonely song that you learn to play. When you're soaring through the air, I'll be your solid ground. Take every chance you dare. I'll still be there when you come back. worked I think you might have just got like a really abrupt abrupt stop to the song (laughs) so sorry it's really gorgeous it's got violins in it it's got that little country like anyway you should google Nickel Creek great little Canadian band I think they split up but they're still great um so let's just crack on with where I was up to so we're kind of talking about the wedding that was my the song that I walked down the aisle to um so let's go. Uh, Dad drove me to the church in a white Ford Falcon. Um, It was just the car that he had bought as a wedding car and always threatened my husband three years prior to us even getting engaged talking about wedding car. If you needed to get wedding car ready, (laughs) does it need to change the engine wedding car? Was he going to propose, propose, propose? So, you know, anyway, wedding car drove me to the wedding. Um, it had a Bratz doll with long brown hair and mum had made a matching wedding dress from leftover fabric from my dress that dad had cable tied to the front of the car. (laughs) My dad loves a cable tie. Of course, by the time we got to the church, the dress had fallen down to reveal a now topless brat stall with extra long skirt leading the way to the church. (laughs) Um, At the end of the wedding or the end of the church, we turned off down a side street on the way to our reception with both Happy and I in the back seat so that dad could get professional photos of himself doing burnouts in the Falcon (laughs) with us in the back, literally screaming. (laughs) (laughs) So it was no surprise that when my dad got up to say a speech about me on my wedding day and I'm like already tearing up as he carefully pulls out his speech, carefully puts on his spectacles and I'm thinking, here we go, this is going to be the good shit. And he said, didn't she look good in white? Oh, tear, everyone looking at me and smiling as I delicately rub the tears out of my eyes. (laughs) I just had the air conditioning fitted last week for this special occasion. <laughs> now everyone looking at me and laughing, he was talking about the damn car. <laughs> what a little shit. <laughs> My dad is a real character surrounded by equally strange mates with weird names like Pigman Man and The Man's Man. I have literally known this guy since I was a kid, and I only ever call him the man's man. He's famous for being exactly like Steve Irwin, his midnight perimeter checks on his property out at Caboolture, and the world's tiniest and tightest denim shorts that I'm pretty sure he gets specially made. Anyway, far out my dad's a good bloke, a great dad, a great father-in-law, and grandfather. When my older brother Kieran had his first child, dad decided he wanted to be called grandfather the little neighbor kids next door used to call their granddad grandfather and my dad loved it when little joey would come over and say oh grandfather (laughs) shout out to the cell words (laughs) of course in true second generation pelly style my children refused to call grandfather grandfather and have chosen the more less fitting and somewhat religious our father My dad is the kind of guy who would whisper to us when we were at Mass, Bring me back a biscuit! with my younger brother Bass doing it one time. My dad is one of the good dads, one of the slightly scary to teens in high school dads, one of the fun dads, one of the dads who's become a great drinking buddy, a solid sounding board for financial decisions, and a helper to many for car advice. He's just a legend. Takes one to make one, though. Am I right? That's it, folks. What do you think? No, don't tell me. No, do tell me because feedback is how you grow. But don't tell me because I'm too sensitive. I'm a sensitive soul. (laughs) I'm a sensitive soul, though I seem (laughs) thick-skinned. And this is just a a very unedited way to to finish the post. (laughs)